0: Okay. Hello and welcome everyone. Thank you for joining us this morning. Who's feeling slightly bleary eyed from their early start. Who's had a little bit too much coffee. Um, (laughs) Hopefully we'll try and keep that energy powering through uh, for this session so we um, are able to unpack this really uh, meaty and important subject. Uh, my name is elizabeth oldfield if i've not met you i'm the director of theos which is a christian think tank seeking to enrich the conversation about the role of faith in public life and on this panel uh, we are going to be talking about bible-based trauma healing and that is a potential bible society program of contextual bible reading It was originally developed by mission leaders mental health professionals to support missional work in war zones in parts of africa And Bible Society in the UK, in partnership with Pastor Nims and uh, various other organisations, have been on a journey of Uh, asking questions about what this program could offer in the UK context Uh, and they've already come some way in contextualizing and adapting it um, for us in this country and Chris who is running the program for Bible Society uh, is going to say a little bit more about the journey that the program has been on and what uh, they hope the future might be they've run a pilot course which was a real success and now um, the, the part of what today is about is um, seeking to ask questions about what it would look like to effectively and safely introduce it across England and Wales. So you guys and we get to be in really on the ground floor of a process of something that could, we hope, be really used by God to, um, to bless, heal and encourage people with experience of real trauma. Um, I'm delighted to welcome our panel today. I have the dubious pleasure of trying to keep a bunch of church leaders and theologians (laughs) and political types uh, to time um, and on topic and get us all out of here by 10.15. And they're going to speak for about five minutes each. They may want to then ask each other questions or there might be a few points of clarification that I'll want to pick up. But I really want to try and guard as much time as possible for you to ask questions. Um, I think for, for... us to get the most kind of useful um, time today, you in your context uh, can ask questions. And also you may well have experience of similar things. um, And there is a huge amount of wisdom kind of that side of the table as well as this side of the table. So I really hope that it will develop into more of an open conversation. And we're just about, I think, a small enough group that we can do that. So I'm going to uh, introduce, I have slightly trimmed these very, very eminent biographies because in the age of Google, you can go up and look, you can go and look up the entire CVs of all of these people. So these are just edited highlights, um, is my caveat. Um, Pastor Nims on the end is Senior Pastor of Freedom's Arc and CEO of the Peace Alliance, a charity that he founded that works in partnership with the police, with government agencies, with the corporate sector, with faith organizations and voluntary organizations, seeking to change lives and promote social cohesion. Particularly relevantly for today, he is a member of the Knife and Violent Crime Prevention Group, working alongside other community leaders, government agencies, again, to really try and combat the recent real spike in knife crime that we've seen across London. And he's previously chaired the London Criminal Justice Partnership Advisory Board and worked with the Metropolitan Police and government in lots of different roles in the Home Office and other places, um, trying to be uh, kind of this voice for social cohesion and justice um Uh, in lots of different ways around these issues. He's gonna explain a bit about the community context which uh, led to uh, his sense of a felt need for a programme like this, and the impact on communities that he thinks this programme could have. Next, we're going to have Reverend Dr. Helen Painter, who is a Baptist minister. And she's also director of the Center for the Study of Bible and Violence at Bristol Baptist College. And she was a nephrologist before responding to her call. I had to look it up. And a nephrologist is a doctor who specializes in the kidneys. Is that right? and she t- she teaches about the transformative power of bible she's written, uh, of the bible and uh, has written a lot about this intersection of issues including the god of violence yesterday god of love today honestly wrestling with the old testament and also if you haven't listened to she too which is a bible society podcast particularly about um, uh, violence against women and, and biblical texts which are sometimes called these texts of terror she's one of the guest uh, guest speakers on that and is is brilliant and that whole series is really worth a listen She's going to talk to us about um, particularly that scriptural engagement and what she thinks, um, how she thinks the Bible can speak into trauma and how God meets us in our pain. Then we've got Chris Auckland, who is Bible Society's lead on trauma healing he has a background in social action, community engagement, politics and social housing and he was just telling me that he was uh, he led a political campaign um, for election of an MP mm-hmm. is that right yeah. and, you know so another path might have been he could have been working here and instead his dream came true and he got to work <laughs> um, at Bible Society so thank goodness for that um, And finally, uh, we have our final speaker, who will be Archbishop Angelos, who serves as Coptic Orthodox Archbishop of London, having served as General Bishop of the Coptic Orthodox Church in the United Kingdom since 1999. And uh, in September 2007, Archbishop Angelos was appointed as President of the Bible Society And we want the Archbishop uh, to really share with us his experience of trauma healing being used in Egypt. He's a real advocate for this program and the transformative change it can bring. So he's going to help us uh, hear a bit about uh, the international context and the way it's been used in other countries. We're going to kick off at this end of the panel um, and uh, look forward to listening.
1: Good morning, and thank you so much for um, such an introduction. My name's Nims, and I am deeply passionate about this issue around trauma. For over the last 20 years, I have had, like some who are ministers here, the challenge of burying young people in our communities. But in particular, I got called to bury kids who had been shot or stabbed for no just cause. Unfortunately, they were labeled, in some cases gang members, in some cases they were, in some cases they rent. Um, and I've also had the opportunity of working extensively in many prisons. Um, and I, I've, I've, employed, um, different folks who have created significant offense to others. One of the gentlemen I employed shot a police officer in the face. The police officer did not die. And eventually, um, when he came out of the prisons, we had him and the police officer walking around, going to schools, talking about forgiveness and reconciliation. But in the midst of dealing with that, I saw a lot of pain in our community. Some of you may have also heard the name Winston Silcott. Mm-hmm. Winston Silcott, I employed him immediately. He came out of prison, and he worked with me for seven to eight years. So I, I know what it is to work with ex-offenders, and I know what it is to bury people who, and family, seen mothers and fathers who have been so traumatized when their only child gets killed by somebody. Um, More recently, I buried Tanisha, who was a young lady last year who got shot in Tottenham. Um, And some of you may have known the issues around the riots. Mark Duggan. I also happen to have buried Mark Duggan and his father. And so there, I can talk about a lot of communities and people who have suffered violence um, extensively. I used to chair Operation Blunt, which was the Response to knife crime across the capital. I've sat on Operation Trident, which is dealing with gun crime across London. So I can I give you that as a backdrop. And I, I've always been a pastor, but I've realized that it's not enough to just be a pastor in your church. There needs to be an active engagement with the issues that are changing and are impacting our world. Um, and um, I realized from the work I've done in prisons, in schools, and in different churches, that we're dealing with not just children, but families that have had adverse childhood experiences. And those adverse childhood experiences have impacted and you have generational challenges. So not only is it impacting mother and dad, or uncle and auntie, but it's also impacting many of these children. And nobody, we've not been able to articulate within church or community an effective response to some of the traumas these people have suffered. Um, Just yesterday, I I, I must say I flew in just this morning from Nigeria, I landed this morning. i just just glad to have a shower and come straight here. So I, I haven't been home. So my suitcase is at the back. But um, I spoke in a church um, in Nigeria just yesterday. Um, on sorry, on on Sunday, and um, I raised something that I've raised severally in this in in the UK, and that's of people who've been violated as children, sexual violation or other forms of violation, and people just hide and bottle some of that, you know, the violations they've suffered, and you find that there's anger. The absence of fathers in our society, there's so much anger, there's so much pain, and this pain sits not just within communities, it sits within the church. Um, I, I was at a dinner just last week, and a father said he was not ready to tell people about his son getting stabbed because he was black. And immediately, because he was black, you would, know, you would think he was in a gang. But the story actually was that four Eastern European kids came out, met him on Woodford uh, Station, and just walked up to him and stabbed the kid. Several, he, he, he survived, but he didn't die. Last year, there were 3,000 knife crime, violent offenses, or stabbings that happened in our city. So what has happened? What, what brings us to this? this book that the Bible Society has put together on trauma, I had the privilege of having conversations with the Bible Society. And I asked for something to be brought in to our nation that can help empower the church to address trauma on different tiers, not just about knife crime. Because many of these children that that I find involved in violence have no emotional intelligence. Or in reality, nobody's really dealt with some of the trauma that exists in their family. And we, what we've been able to do in the first cohort of our, our meetings, I, I brought a young lady whose brother got killed um, last year. And she now is championing this, too. So we are, um, I took her and about three or four other families to meet with the prime minister just when we had the, violent, the, the violence summit that the Prime Minister organized about a few months ago. And I'll say this. I watched a father express to the Prime Minister how his son was, for no very very educated, well-established father, could be me, had his son just met up by some guys who didn't like the way he looked at them, stabbed him in the chest, got a pulling, peeled it through his back. And the father just broke down. The prime minister had to get up and hug and just hold him because the man was a broken wreck with his wife. The reality is there's so much trauma in our community. And I think the media has allowed us to become so desensitized to this issue. And it's just been another kid. And I think we just need to empower our churches and our communities to be an effective answer and bring a holistic healing word to our society. I'm just recommending that we work together to make this work. Thank you.
2: Thank you. So um, I'm not an expert on trauma, but I do know a little bit about the Bible. Um, So what I want to um, just talk about is how the Bible might be used as a source, and how it is useful um, in this context. Um, And I guess I'm I'm preaching to the converted, so you're going to know what I tell you, but I'll remind you anyway. The Bible is is both deeply practical and, of course, deeply spiritual. And, and in that way, it connects with the whole of the human condition. Um, it's a very human book, and it's a book of full of people um, who have struggled with the deepest issues that humanity can face, the deepest traumas that humanity can face. And there's something um, that is brutally honest, particularly, actually, about the way the Old Testament addresses those questions and grapples with those questions, That helps us, I think, to grapple with those questions and to wrestle honestly with the the deep questions of suffering, the deep questions of loss, um, and the deep questions of evil. Um, The Bible has a a trajectory um, which actually begins where we heard uh, earlier this morning and ends, as you know, um, in the new heavens and the new earth. And it is a trajectory that begins with creational shalom and with ends with eschatological, with end times shalom, and the whole of the Bible is directed towards shalom. And shalom, as, as you will know, is a word that we would generally translate to mean peace. But actually, it's, it's so much broader than just um, not fighting with people. It's about, um, it's about holistic well-being. It's about well-being Um, In one's own self, it's about well-being in one's own family and community and in the world. It's about health and wholeness um, in body, mind and soul. There's something really beautiful about Shalom. And the whole of the Bible is directed and aimed in that direction. So a few thoughts about some of the things that the Bible offers that can be useful in this question of trauma healing. One of the things it, it grapples with um, is the question of anger. Is anger um, something righteous or something unrighteous? Um, is it something that is helpful, or is it something that is unhelpful? When should we be angry? When we should we rage? And when should we surrender that anger? And the Bible grapples in a very honest and meaningful way with that question. The Bible is passionate about, the such, about justice, about social justice, about the poor, about the marginalized, about the excluded, about the victim. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that engaging with that and understanding God's heart for those people can be very healing in situations of trauma. As we've already heard this morning, the Bible um, speaks about the value of human life, about the value of every human life, about the human vocation, about the human call, about, um, about the image of God that is within us. Um, and there is something there that that speaks, I think, very deeply to um, us in our human condition, and especially to us in our most broken moments of the human condition. And and along with that, um, there is this um, there is this idea which actually begins. Those I was so pleased we had those verses from Genesis read this morning because they are verses that I come back to again and again and again, and they are. They form a paradigm for the way the rest of the Bible unfolds. They're not just a page to be turned and closed, but actually the Bible keeps picking up on this idea. And it's it's about human vocation and human flourishing. And of course, all of that is about us in wholeness and healing. The Bible speaks about forgiveness, but it's not simplistic about forgiveness, not if we read it well. It understands the complexity and the difficulty of forgiveness. And what does forgiveness mean? What does forgiveness not mean? And I think sometimes actually in our churches we're a little bit too simplistic about what forgiveness means and what we expect of people when we ask them to forgive. Bible speaks about um, sudden, catastrophic, mm-hmm. random evil suffering that falls upon people and invites us to journey in a way that makes it mean something. And... Uh, that is a very difficult journey. It's a very painful journey, but it's a journey that leads to richness of life if we can journey that way with us. And one more thing to say is that um, in the Bible, in the cross of Jesus Christ most particularly, we discover that in the deepest trauma of life, God is not just um, a compassionate third party, um, but he is a co sufferer Thank you. Thank you.
3: So against a, a backdrop of that, imagine yourself as a missionary in Africa faced with a context where sexual violence is being used as a weapon of war and you are with Christians and non-Christians who are grappling with what's happened to them. And and that's what missionaries found themselves in in, in Rwanda shortly after the genocide. Um, and they had a, a feeling that there was something in the Bible that could, could help here. So they initially developed a very raw program of contextual Bible reading around the themes of sexual violence, genocide, HIV and AIDS, um, and kind of built this program to, to use in Rwanda and other parts of war-torn Africa. They then realized that this was some meaty stuff, so they looked for mental health practitioners to firm it up, to make it robust, to make it uh, replicable. Um, and ultimately developed what we now see as the trauma healing program um, and the the international edition of the trauma healing program is very much still what was developed by those individuals. Uh, In the beginning uh, of this millennium, so around uh, 2010, they realized that the potential for this resource was far and above what they would be able to develop. So they approached our cousins in the American Bible Society to become custodians of this material um and they then subsequently formed an organization called the trauma healing institute which sits as part of american bible society but is is almost separate Um, and they began to license the materials to be used in other parts of the world so it became very uh, commonly used in africa and the middle east Um, and then western countries started to think well we have trauma here so is there a way that we can look at using these materials here in 2014 um, american bible society developed the North American edition, which was the first Western contextualized version of this program. They stripped out a lot of the materials that were very uh, uh, genocide or kind of war-torn, continental uh, African-specific, and inserted things that met with the needs of a Western context. So the materials in the North, African, uh, the North American edition focus on rape, sexual violence, domestic abuse, substance misuse, suicide, uh, crime, those kind of topics. Um, Our brothers and sisters in the Scottish Bible Society decided that places such as Glasgow and Edinburgh were experiencing uh, traumas that this kind of program could speak into. So uh, in 2017, they um, embraced the materials from North America. um, And Bible Society here in England and Wales started on a journey of exploring whether it would work here. I then slowly started working on that process when Pastor Nims appeared on the scene um, and just laid out in black and white the reality of what life is like uh, in communities that I've certainly never been a part of. And I think uh, Bible Society recognised that that if the Bible has the ability to help, then Bible Society had the responsibility to do something. So we powered through the programme, we took the North American materials um, Pastor graciously gathered together some incredible individuals, um, and we ran an initial pilot um, in April this year and trained 15 people to be able to run healing groups to use these materials to help people journey through their pain with the Bible. Now, uh, we have started the very long journey of taking something that's very, very American um, and making it work (laughs) in England and Wales. Um, So... What what we're doing is we are working with partners such as Pastor Nims, we're working with survivors of rape and domestic violence to see if uh, the materials as they stand from North America can be adapted in such a way that we can build a program of contextual Bible reading suitable for people in england or wales and the rich kind of theological um, and faith traditions that we have here across a whole spectrum of individuals both you know anglican high church anglicans and diaspora communities that can journey through their pain um, and use the bible to explore both their inner suffering and the suffering of those around them to bring about not healing and that's one of the interesting things about this program is Church leaders in this country don't recognize the term trauma, and it's certainly not healing anything, but it's a start of a process to understand that it's okay to be angry. Um, pain is just a fact of life in a broken world that we live in, but the Bible can bring about that inner transformation that can change the world outside as well.
0: Chris, thank
4: you. Five minutes. Yeah. To Bishop. Um, so before I took up my current post with Bible Society, I was on the United Bible Society's Global Council. And being in Addis Ababa for the round table on one occasion, um, I was then uh, it was the first time I'd heard about the trauma healing work that American Bible Society was doing. And being the um, archetypal opportunist I am. I thought, well, this could work. And it was at the beginning of something that some of you may have heard of, which was attacks on Christians in Egypt, church bombing, shootings. And in my mind, we have an incredibly resilient community. And yet, um, it, is, it is still suffering. People get up, they quite literally <coughs> brush themselves off and they fill their churches again the following week, and yet we have people who deal with the loss of loved ones, of people who were there for the explosions and the shootings, people who saw the aftermath, and for me it was important to try to provide that sense of support for our community. Now, uh, another thing I do is I I co-founded and co-chair a body called the Lausanne Orthodox Initiative that brings together evangelicals and orthodox from around the world to work on mission. And we're looking for opportunities things to do together. And so the one thing that I thought we could do is work on this program because this wasn't about a denomination, it wasn't about the church, it was about the scriptures and what the scriptures could do for us. And of course, one thing we, we often forget is that everything we do for the credibility of what we do needs to be founded in, in some sort of um, theology or scripture. Otherwise, we just become activists and therapists. And there are enough of those around. What we need to do is to bring our own understanding and relevance of what we're doing. And if we look at you know what happened to humanity, in the fall, there was significant trauma. And the healing that trauma came with um, the the um, manifestation of Christ among us and of his salvation that came through the cross and resurrection. And so for us, it was important to work on that um, and to be able to collaborate, uh, to be able to take something that was developed in a very Western context and then take it. We went to Egypt um, two years ago now. We had a consultation with a group of people uh, frontline social workers and counselors and psychologists with a group from the American Bible Society. We met together for two days. We started to contextualize and we ran a pilot program just last year, which was very, very well received. Uh, And um, in these coming months, we're going to start running phase two. Now, the reason that is important is because, for us, we recognize that there is pain in the world. Um, And not everyone is gifted to be able to relieve that pain. And yet, if we have a tool that is then available, and we can train people to use it, then it makes suffering much um, much more easier, much more simple to address, and then to find solutions to. What we did in phase one was training the trainers. And in my vision, it was to have a small group that would work uh, within what we call our bishopric of social services, which is the social services arm of the church that works across Egypt. And from there, we would start training regionally. And so if anything happened the any church, and unfortunately, we know it's not if, but when, the next attack will happen, we can then deploy either this group or already have groups set up in every diocese that can deal with those situations. And so for me, it's very exciting to then see this vision um, brought t- to, to England. And you know, if you think taking an American model make it work in England, <laughs> try to make it work in Egypt. Um, a <laughs> you know, very, very overtly evangelical mm. model going into a very very predominantly orthodox setting. And yet, what was able to bring us together was scripture and the very real addressing of what that scripture meant. So I just thought, you know, it, it's a wonderful opportunity. I do think, uh, you know, addressing the situation in London with everything we're going through, addressing what we're going through in Parliament, you know, that Baroness Sherlock spoke about this morning and, and, and what we're going through as a nation. There is a lot of trauma of varying levels. And I think to have this tool to be able to help people is, is incredibly important.
0: Thank you. Um, Archbishop, you've answered it, answered it partially, but I'd love the rest of the panel to have an opportunity to answer the question that I think a lot of people will initially ask, which is, why something Bible-based? You know, I think everyone would acknowledge that there is pain and trauma, but couldn't you know, counseling or psychotherapy or the, the existing models that people deploy to help with trauma fill that gap? And couldn't the church be just involved with helping offer those? Why, why something so very scriptural?
1: Well, I mean, I, I've been on the course. Yeah. And um, I suppose, on the one hand, I can clearly say that. We all agree about, and I suppose, like you say, we're speaking to the converted. I clearly believe that there is power in the Word of God to reach the core of our person, because I believe generally that we were created by God, and you don't go to a baker to fix a car. You just don't go, you've got to go back to the manufacturer to fix what's broken down. And in reality, the only thing that can heal the brokenness in our community and our society is the same word that created it. And I believe that is the word of God. So um, you know that's me being as practical as I can be. And my experience going through the course, it brings to life the trauma that we see in scripture and it allows people identify with the fact that they're not alone it allows people express the trauma like David would in the Psalms but find hope and healing through the expression of that pain I feel that what this does it allows us not feel that we need to deny our pains but we can actually address it together using scripture and allow the actual person of the holy spirit to come in with the sovereignty of the word to bring changes and i i i hear when chris mentioned it's not about the healing but i personally believe personally that this word does heal he sent his word and healed our disease. Trauma is something that needs healing. And I do believe the word of God provides help. It's a journey we go on. But at the end of the day, Chris and myself are on that course. And I believe we saw people transition uh. through that. So I can say firsthand, I was one of the beneficiaries of that journey. And I am now a benefactor. I want to take it as far well as I can. Thank you.
2: Would you I was like to add anything before we open up? And I just add. I wholly agree with that. Um, as, as someone who used to be a medical professional, I'm, I'm the last person who would ever diss um, um, the, the what professionals ca- can offer in, in medical sphere and in, in counseling sphere and so on. I suppose what I think the Bible does is it, it reaches a deeper depth mm. because it touches the spirituality of the human condition. Mm. And it also reaches a higher transcendence because it invites the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to heal.
0: Thank you.
2: Okay.
0: Uh, Stuart, would you mind if I just co-opted you? Because we have a roving mic here and had not yet appointed anyone to rove. Would you mind grabbing it uh, to, it's just here on the window, so thank Sorry, you. Can I touch Please, on one yes. point?
4: Please, um, I just think in, in the the reality of the ecumenical life we're in, and, and again, everyone here must be ecumenically minded because you're here, but there is an incredible amount of distrust. And so when it comes down to basic scripture, and at, then suddenly it, there's nothing to disagree on. And, and I think it means that we can work together and work together very effectively. And it's a great witness to the, to the Christian message that quite often can be divisive if we look at things tribally, but then if we look at things collaboratively, it does make a huge difference. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Who would like to ask a question to our panel? There's one at the front here.
3: Could you just clarify exactly what you mean by a course? Is that number of weeks? Is it a group? Just some clarity, because I'm not still quite sure what it is. So that would be helpful. Yeah. um, I can just say the, the catchy phrase, program of contextual Bible reading again, but that doesn't really answer the question. Um, it is a structured program of reading that is as long as it needs to be. So there are, um, there are five core lessons that participants in healing groups will, will cover, which is basically a journey through why does pain and suffering exist in the world, what does the Bible say about pain and suffering, and then bringing people to a place of forgiveness. Um, Then there are optional lessons which fit around specific Mm -hmm. contexts. So if you had a particularly traumatised community, you could be doing this over 11 weeks. Um, If you just wanted to get through the core lessons, it's in five weeks. There is no structure to how it's delivered other than you have to do the five core lessons. So if you're in a a group that's particularly kind of um, academically inclined, then you might want to do it as a structured program where you meet once a week, sit down for an hour, work your way through the materials. If you're working with an, an audience that's potentially more kind of creative, then there's space for you to, uh, to have a more kind of chilled out, relaxed environment. You, you spend more time talking um, around the materials. Um, and you can do that over a number of, of, of days and weeks. The program, when we did it with Pastor Nims for the training, we did as a five-day residential which is p- possible, um, the, uh, this, I wouldn't recommend it um, if you're working with, with genuine uh, audiences because you need space for people to be able to think and breathe around the materials. So the recommendation is an evening, a week, over five weeks for the core lessons and then as, as much as you need for the, for the additional lessons. And when I say lessons, it's not a chalk and talk program. It's very much an individual facilitates but the group self drives their way through yeah what the Bible says about trauma. Thank
4: you. Also on the program, is, it, um, is there a train-the-trainer
3: yes. program that you offer as well as? Yeah, so um, what we, the, 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 the system for getting involved is that Bible Society, should we launch the program, um, will run regional church gatherings where partner churches are invited to come and explore what the materials look like over a morning Uh, If they feel like they want to partner with Bible Society to deliver the program, then they would go away um, and select two individuals or more from their congregation um, to put forward for training to be facilitators of the course. We would then invite them to a residential training, which happens over four or five days, where we would train them to use the materials to be able to run these healing groups. Um, they are then endorsed and validated by Bible Society and uh, American Bible Society jointly. Um, they go away, would deliver two healing groups, then they would come back for a further training, so we can essentially rubber stamp the fact that they're not causing more harm than. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, joking aside, yeah, you're into a world where you do something wrong and you will exacerbate someone's suffering, not heal it. So. Um, it's 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 done in a way that we can ensure the best standards of safeguarding and well-being for participants, whilst ensuring that it's as easy for churches to engage with as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Other questions? Stuart, uh, Thank you, Stuart.
5: <coughs> Hello. Just want to ask you: um, How does it work? Does it work in conjunction with health professionals? So, for example, is there recommendation within the material that if someone's dealing with something that is beyond the church's capability or even the program's capability, is it suggesting that people go and see, you know, psychotherapists or counsellors and things like that? And um, Is there any room in the future? Because I think churches, especially, are greatly in need of of more help in the mental health region. So, I mean, it really is something that people almost want a Christian context to their mental health services. Um, So, is there any room for Bible Society to work with promoting um, everything to work in, in conjunction? So, people getting therapy as well as this healing. Um, as well as potentially um, the biblical approach to physical well-being, mm-hmm. so the mind, the body, the spirit?
3: Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great question. Um, so the materials are really clear uh, that there is legal requirements for reporting in certain places, um, and facilitators are told <laughs> that if there is a situation where the individual is just not able to engage with the program, then there are referral contacts within the book itself. So um, we... The facilitators know to re- where to refer people if needs be. Um, there are then in, in every individual section recommended organisations. So we the, the details for Rape Crisis around the Rape Lesson as as an initial referral mechanism. Uh, the legal requirements for uh, child safeguarding or in the materials. Um, it is a program unto itself, and it 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 journeys through mental health. Um, with scripture, I think there is some validity in the idea that it's part of an overall holistic program, as Pastor Nim said. Um, Bible Society is really open to working with partners that might want to um, build on courses that work around it. Um, So Alpha, for example, is a really good introduction to Christianity, and then people who have gone through Alpha move on to another program. So trauma healing is, is similar to that, and if there is a way that we can Uh, engage with participants to recommend other training other courses places they can go then um, that's great this is focused on spiritual well-being Um, physical well-being is a really interesting idea i have not prepared to to answer a question on physical well-being but I think it's a really interesting idea Um, my other part of my job is creation care so the idea of uh, green prescriptions and those kind of things is really interesting. It might be something that we could build into the program. Into the we'll have a there. conversation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do yeah.
0: you just pass
1: the mic back to this gentleman here? Can, can I say also in relation to that, I, I think on the course we had a doctor who was a psychotherapist. Oh, yes.
3: Yeah, so one of the first people we trained was a psychotherapist, um, and the, the two individuals that delivered the, the training were psychotherapists and counsellors.
1: Yeah, and in our church, for instance, we've also put folks, not the folks who initially came for the introductory, they've gone on... Mental first hate aid process. so I think there's also we recognise the validity of being able to work within. I won't call it circular, but you know the mental health environment understanding those issues. So we're not shying away from mental health as a concern within our churches and our communities. That,
4: and I do think that there is there is this constant conflict between what is spiritual care and what is mental health, and and, and the disturbing attitude of some Christian perceptions that mental health is a manifestation of a spiritual illness. Mm, mm. And and so I think when we're able to work in conjunction and show that it's a holistic approach, Mm. and that we don't deny that there is a professional physical uh, need, but uh, especially in Egypt, for instance, people are deeply religious. And so scripture is core to them. And so when they receive that support, then it works well. But it doesn't deny, so the people overseeing the program in Egypt are predominantly healthcare care professionals, uh, mental health specialists. And the person overseeing it from here is a mental health specialist as well.
5: Yes, just a, a, a couple of questions that have more to do with content. Mm-hmm. How are you defining trauma, for one? Or maybe that's a base question. Um, how does the image of God in relation to it in modern society and that approach, when most of our young people are trained, the opposite of that? And is this to bring people into relationship with God or is it the Bible to bring healing to a social issue?
3: Um, I can do the first one. And... <laughs> um, That's a really valid question about how we define trauma, and one of the really interesting journeys that we've gone on when we've explored how to contextualise this for England and Wales is, is the word trauma in itself something that doesn't necessarily work? So I know someone who I talked to the programme about, and they're like, oh, I've never been traumatised. My wife was killed in a car accident, but I've never experienced a trauma... And I think that's a, a typically British attitude towards kind of pain. You know, yeah, something bad happened, but I've not been traumatized by it. Um, we, we define trauma as um, experiencing a traumatic event um, that causes grief of some kind or a sense of loss of some kind. Um, the, the buzz phrase from ABS, from American Bible Society, is uh, all trauma is grief, but not all grief is trauma. So... When I lost my ninety-year-old grandmother, I wasn't traumatized by that, but I grieved for her. When I lost my brother last year, I was traumatized by that, and I grieved for him. So um, it's it's grief, but uh, that has a kind of a lasting spiritual impact on yourself. Second question was: image of God. Yes. Yes.
2: um, I mean, that's obviously. A bigger conversation, I think, than than, than here. Um, I think our job as church is to, and, and I'm not, I'm talking sort of again, broad, more broadly than course. But our job as a church is to declare what is, even when that is not understood. Um, and I think that that actually the first three chapters of Genesis, in in the, the sense of human call and vocation, and then human brokenness and cosmic brokenness, are fundamental for, for understanding society. Um, it's 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 woes and it's and it's wealth, um, so ha, now how we express that and how we find ways of expressing that that makes sense to people, I think, is is, is the continual <coughs> challenge of of those of us who who are privileged to speak from from scripture to to the world and, and to the church. Um, but nonetheless, I think that that I would say that that, that understanding of of humanity is a non negotiable. I kind of is that kind of what you were thinking of or
5: Sociologically with our young people, they're, they're taught and trained, but they're nothing more than they cosmic accidents. Yeah, nice. So they, the, the behavior of animals as opposed to relating to people in regards to being made in the image of God, that social um, as to how, we're doing, how that, does this address those issues, or is this primarily in regards to human
3: itself? There, the, a, a core part of the program it explores the idea of what trauma is, and then where God is in our trauma, and the materials don't shy away from uh, our personal relationship to God. And it is very much driven by uh, the role that God plays in and around uh, our pain as we journey through it. So it certainly doesn't shy away from the role that God has in our individual lives. Um, It toes a fine line between curating and narrating uh, what the Bible says about things. So... um, it might not hold answers for people who are very distant from faith or from the Bible, but it does explore our personal and individual relationships with God.
1: Can I ask that? What it does, I was just looking at one of the sessions we had on physical, the, the similarities between a physical wound and a heart wound. And we in unpacking that conversation as to the similarities is it, you know, um, a physical wound, is visible? And the heart wound is invisible. But it begins to say, does, uh, is a physical wound sometimes painful? So it sometimes painful, it must be treated with care. How about a heart wound? It is painful, must be treated with care. And we begin to compare, heart wound, if it's ignored, is it likely to get worse? In the heart, you know, well, a physical wound, well, in the same case with a heart wound, if it's ignored, is it likely to get worse? So we ask some questions. And I think that you allow, even if it's a young person who has no belief in God, to journey.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, because they can identify heart wounds. They can identify physical wounds. And it's through that gradual you know, persuasion of the conversation then we get to a scripture. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of life. So we begin to relate what they first can identify with their heart wound to scriptural reality. And I think it's journeying. You, I, not everybody's going to buy into it, mm. but then what I see and what this course did, and you know, I can only recommend it. As you can see, I'm a, I'm a, 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 it's so, you know, but to me, but w- w- what we can say is that even for the atheist, who has experienced pain? And everybody has experienced pains in different levels. It's about saying we care enough to have a conversation about the pain. And it's not a tell you. It's it's we're, we're broken into groups so we have those conversations. And it's everybody explores where their you know what their journey was. Mm-hmm. We're careful how people express. Use we use case studies rather than your story. And so those case studies allow us to discuss more freely. But underlying that, you find your story finding its way to web its way into the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, then you get to see God in that space. Yeah.
0: Mm. I think it might be h- worth adding that one of uh, Bible Society's strategic priorities is about building Bible confidence amongst Christians. And I feel like this is part of that story because one of the narratives at Theos, we spend a lot of time talking to um, the non-religious. That's who we're called to and where we mainly sit. And one of the uh, assumptions about the Bible is that it is violent. And you know, Helen's done extraordinary work on this. And, and people know the really difficult... Challenging, problematic verses of the Bible, um, but if what we what we see is Christians engaging with Scripture. Uh, and finding in it resources for shalom and for life in personal, painful, everyday, gritty realities, then that is one way in which I think the church grows in its confidence oh. in this gift of a book that we have and the, and the wellspring of life that it can be. So there's a kind of individual, there's, there's the felt need of trauma in the communities and I then think there's a bigger story of how we as a church relate to these words and these, um, these texts that we are custodians of. Go to the gentleman here.
4: Sorry, I, I just think to the last question about the relevance. Uh, sorry, t- to the last question, I think there's a huge temptation on us as church to try to jump into a public space and make ourselves relevant for some reason, whereas this actually comes out of a genuine need. And I think we have the tools. And it's recognizing that this is, this is not a gimmick. It's not a stunt. It's not just opportunism. It's not a, it's not a commercial enterprise. It's the fact that there is trauma and that there is this biblical tool in, in, in the life and words and teachings of Christ and the words of scripture as a whole, and then for us to be able to put them together. I think that, that's the real foundation of all this.
0: Thank you. have got a few more minutes left. So if there's a few questions, there was a gentleman here. Could we gather those three questions one after the other, if that's OK, and then I'll ask the panel to give some closing remarks in response.
3: Can not say, it sounds awesome, by the way, thank you. Um, Mine's about implementation. So with Alpha, we get to invite friends.
5: Is it that kind of thing, informal, or would it be in partnership with a local school? Would it work with young people? And we, we sort of say to a school, this is what we're doing, and do it that way.
0: You're asking about how to find participants, right?
5: Yeah, yeah. Thank you.
4: Do you want to ask my question now? Yes, please. Um, I just wondered if somebody might say something about the power of narrative. Um, I think particularly some of those stories in the back of the Old Testament, like Samuel and Kings, Unknown and yet are you know absolutely traumatic, and um, narrative is both powerful and inclusive. You're not telling people what to think because they find their own reactions. So, is that something that you're using? The
0: lady behind you, if you could just pass it over your shoulder, thank you.
6: Um, Thanks for what you're saying about like re traumatizing people as well. I think that's it's really great that you've got an awareness of that. Um, My question. Actually two questions, sorry. Uh my first question was about um like spiritual trauma. So um like I have experienced um some like really negative things from the church. Um and I guess when people, you know, believe that you might have like a demonic presence inside of you or like that kind of stuff, it can be really difficult and I know I'm not alone in having been like experienced some trauma from the church. So I wondered if there was anything um, that you could say about that, if the, you know, if the course addresses that. Um, and my second question was about um, holding a balance in a room. So I work in a church in East London that has a lot of highly traumatized individuals um, and people with um, a lot of needs and, um, And I found it really challenging to be one of the like, quote unquote, less vulnerable people there, um, just because it feels like you end up taking a lot of that stuff on yourself. Um, So how do you make sure that the environment is safe um, for the person who's facilitating and also that it's not too, um, yeah, that the balance of like people who are like vulnerable and not vulnerable is um, healthy?
0: Brilliant questions. one about finding participants, one about power of narrative, one about spiritual trauma, and one about the balance of vulnerabilities, and it sounds like the duty of care to the person leading. Um, please answer one or uh, two, but maybe not all three, of each question um, as part of your closing remarks. And perhaps we'll start with you, Archbishop, if that's OK. Um,
4: I, I don't really think I can speak to any of those because the context I'm speaking to is a very different one. Um, but 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 I do believe that there is a significant amount of harm that could be done if we don't empower people to do this properly. Oh. Because people will go out and do it. And regrettably, people do use scripture. But they use it, I think, in the best interests and with the best intentions, but in a very harmful way. So if there is something that is this significant and this helpful to be used, in uh, a time when we can be careful with our words and our sentiments and also use scripture in the right way, that's really important. And and I think um, for us in terms of finding people, again, our context is very different. The way we're doing it is we are preparing groups to be deployed when something tragic happens. Because I'm speaking about a particular context mm-hmm. of tax on churches, tax on communities, burning down of villages, uh, eradication of Christians, which leading to almost a a genocide. Um, And so for us, we we pray that we never have to use it, but we know that we will. And I think that's the the painful reality of it. Thank you. I'm going to
3: go through them really quick. So um, Bible Society, as part of its initiative with the partner churches, will help with the recruitment and marketing of the program. The recommendation is that initial individuals come from the church congregation and those alongside the church congregation. As the program develops, inevitably people in the community begin to hear about it and then it should become self-perpetuating in that respect. Um, There is a children's program, which the American Bible Society have developed. Um, We will look at bringing that over to England and Wales if there's enough interest, that opens up a whole new minefield of safeguarding that Bible society has to be aware of. Um, there's also a prisons edition which works with people who have perpetuated trauma as well as experiencing trauma, which we are looking to develop over next year. Um, on the narrative question, uh, the material spends spent the majority of the time in the Old Testament. Um, Nims might be able to talk about that a bit more, but it, it, does, it uses the Old Testament much more than it does the New Testament. Uh, there is an element of talking about um, spiritual traumas, um, and there is a recognition in the materials that churches can be as guilty um, of perpetuating traumas as they can be of actually being alongside and, he- and working with people. Um, obviously, we don't we don't go too hard on churches because we want them to partner with us to deliver the program, um, but we we expect them to recognise where they've made mistakes in the past. Um, and Pastor Nims will attest that there was a very interesting uh, conversation in our healing group around. Um, sexual violence towards women um, and how it's all their fault because they dress provocatively, which I think was an interesting reflection of the, uh, uh, the churches that were... Um, I'll be pleased to say that th- their opinion changed, and uh, mainly due to pastonyms, um, <laughs> but uh, that is a reflection of uh, how robustly the training weeds those kind of attitudes out so that this cannot be weaponized to perpetuate those further traumas. Um, and on the spiritual, I oh know I've done all four, sorry. Um, so anyone who's trained as a facilitator is connected into all of the other facilitators in their local area. Uh, the groups are run, they're small numbers, so we wouldn't rec- recommend any more than eight people in a healing group. And there will be two facilitators, so that that burden is shared amongst as many people. And if someone needs to leave the room, that facilitator can go with that person and be with them. Uh, there is one of the lessons, one of the optional lessons, is on caring for the caregiver, so how our facilitators can continue to develop um, and have their re traumatized experiences um, addressed uh, and engaged with. And then Bible Society has made a commitment at least annually to gather together all of the uh, trained facilitators in a particular area um, on a residential retreat to um, give them space to offload everything that they've taken on of them over the year, um, to refresh, to heal, to uh, be renewed, and then to go back into the community to work again.
2: Uh, I'm just going to speak to the narrative question. Thank you very much. and I wholly agree that, um, that narrative is a very helpful way of processing our own journey, and that the Bible prov- provides very useful narratives for facilitating that. And uh, I've spoken. We've referred to the She Too podcast. So I've spoken about the the narratives of sexual violence, and how they give um, (coughs) excuse me how they give voice to those. I mean, in the in the Me Too movement, we have um, we have learnt if we didn't know already how important it is to um, to hear stories. And I think that the the fact that these stories are contained within our sacred texts gives a dignity to the victim and a voice to the victims, um, ancient and those who live with these experiences today. So um, I, I'm, very, um, I'm very passionate about the, the use of biblical narrative well and carefully to express trauma and to allow us to explore um, from a number of different perspectives, mm-hmm. to, to, to look at the perspective of those who experience it, to look at the ex- perspective of those who, who, who perpetrate it, and to look at the perspective of those who onlook, who look upon it and to place ourselves within that story I think is a very powerful tool.
1: Thank you. I want to say that the issue around the narrative, we we looked at rape. We looked at how David handled the rape of his daughter. There were very sensitive issues around there. And um, I think That we had a lot of opportunity to reflect. There were moments just not to talk, but to just take time out to go and consider. And 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 not it wasn't a a seminar where you you just always got talked at, but you talked with, then you talked to to God, to the person, or to yourself. So we had times out in the gardens where we just had to take time out. Um, We had moments where we could, where we had to contextualize our personal traumas and Mm -hmm. use descriptive ways to express it. We painted pictures on our own. And I remember I painted a very, interesting picture. It was black on one side. I'll stop there. But we all had to revisit things. Uh, It helped us revisit in a holistic and a useful way. So when you speak about trauma from your church, what happens is it allows you to look at that and see how to move forward with that. Um, When it comes to the participants, I think this is about prevention also,
4: mm.
1: and it's so in some cases, if we get to the families and young people with the right kind you just kind of messaging, we just don't know who we've helped. So I, I, I see this, the reason I asked and I made a strong demand on the Bible society, and I, I am still insisting that we do better, not so much about society, but even within communities, is because there's a very present need in our society. As we stand today I'm responsible for faith and communities for the violent crime prevention board we meet every month in Scotland Yard I get the stats I know what's happening in our city I'm deeply concerned I'm one of the deputy lieutenants for her majesty Uh, I'm on the faith council where we're trying to capture what's going on around faith, and we know there's a lot there's a lot of work that is needed and so this is the cloud the size of a man's fist, it's a beginning. And I anticipate the more the Bible society runs with it, and we as communities and leaders and others run with it, that change will begin to ebb its way into our society. But we've got to start with something. And I think this is a great start.